Tempe Brilliance Podcast with Monique Malcolm, a show about creative people leveraging their brilliance to create their own opportunities. I aim to show you what's really possible when you shut down the chorus of fear and lean into your genius zone. You can learn more about this show and subscribe for updates by visiting keepchasingthestars.com backslash podcast. Hey, Star Chasers. This episode of Pimp Your Brilliance is brought to you by the Visionary Journal. The Visionary Journal is a goal-setting guide, mini vision board, and day planner. It provides a simple structure to help you break your goals into actionable steps that you can integrate into your daily life. For more information and to order your own copy of the Visionary Journal, visit keepchasingthestars.com backslash visionary journal. This is episode 18. For more information or for show notes, you can find them at keepchasingthestars.com backslash 18. Hey guys, welcome to another episode. And today I'm chatting with Kashira Moffitt of, goodness, she has several brands, the KSM group, her, this is her movement. She has the Hustle Her Way Summit. I mean, Kashira is doing quite a few things in the online space and doing them really well. So on today's episode, we talk about how she runs all of these brands and some of her inspirations behind why she started a cosmetic line and why she calls her fans and followers busy bombshells. So it's a really good episode for someone who is interested in starting a brand, wants to launch to the best of their ability, even if they're a small brand with limited resources. And she offers up some really good advice about LinkedIn and how she juggles all of these hats that she's wearing on a day-to-day basis. So if that's you, grab your pen and your notepad, and let's dive in. Hey, Kashira, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Not a problem. I'm excited. There are so many things that you do that I love online, and I'm excited that you agreed to do this. So I like to get started right at the top. So tell us a bit of your background. How did you get started? Oh, so this, this has to go back to uh, undergrad for me. Um, I actually started my business doing career development and career coaching. So I was writing resumes. I was doing LinkedIn profiles, interview prep, all of that stuff for my peers, both during school and post-grad. And I was the person people came to because I had always been the one going off to do, to do leadership conferences and career development stuff. And so I just had a lot of information at that time, I didn't know was that important. Um, But post-grad, it really rang true for me. I was actually working in human resources at the time anyhow, and a lot of my peers were calling saying, hey, I hate my job. I've only been here a couple of months. I just kind of took a job to say I had one post-grad, but I need to brand myself and get out of here. So I started to charge people to write their resumes and do their LinkedIn profiles. And I had no idea what I was doing. It was just a side hustle. I wasn't consistent with anything that I had going on. And I threw up a website in partnership with a friend of mine who was trying to build her career in PR. So she did the site for me. And it was so raggedy (laughs) because I didn't know what I wanted to do. So it was like, the homepage was the blog, which is a passion of my writing. I had always wanted to have a blog, but I was afraid to start it. Then I had my resume on there and my services page. And it was a whole hot mess. It was just like something to do on the side. But I was at least smart enough in that time frame to get recommendations on my own LinkedIn profile from a lot of people that I worked with. And so that led to me gaining traction without really trying. I wasn't really marketing anything on the web that hard because I was getting tons of referrals. And it just so happened that an entrepreneur stumbled across my profile and she saw all of the testimonials and her son actually went to Hampton undergrad, though I didn't know him. And she's like, I can tell from what I see that you know what you're doing. So I want to hire you. I'm like, okay, cool. (laughs) So she's like, but I'm not a corporate client or anything like that. Like I'm an entrepreneur and I want you to brand my LinkedIn profile to get me clients. And she was an event planner and event management. She was working with the big dogs already. She had worked with Dasani and Essence Fest and all these great brands. So I, I just did some research, figured out how to best sell her brand online. And I did it and she loved it. She hired me again to write her biography, to write her website content, to teach her how to use social media. And then she referred me to all of her friends. And from there, my business was birthed. The more people I worked with, the more I loved it, the more I was learning how to sell and how to market. And I did study business in college, but this was like a real world application of it. Um, and I also started to see then, too, that I liked 
I've always had a passion for helping people advance. Like I've always had a passion for professional development, but I thought it was in the career world, like getting to the next job. But what this showed me is I really like working with entrepreneurs. There's just a, a different kind of fire that's lit there that I really appreciate and I love. Um, and that experience really spawned the growth of my own business, the growth of my blog, the evolution of my brand, and ultimately a lot of the things that I'm doing today. Oh, so there's so many things that, that you do today. So tell me <laughs> at this point, and we're going to get into that a little bit later, but what is your official title? Uh, it changes by day. So I just call myself the chief bombshell officer, <laughs> um, which is a spin on my brand. I call my blog readers, my customers, followers, busy bombshells. I don't really like the word followers. I, I, I like to give the, my tribe a name and I call them busy bombshells. Uh, the funny story behind that name. Um, let, me, let me backtrack. So my blog used to be called Two Moves Ahead and um, Two Moves Ahead that was my URL. And the whole premise was when I was in college. College, they made us learn how to play chess. I went to Hampton and we had to learn how to play chess. And they were like, it's all about strategy in the business world and in life. So we want you to learn strategy in the best way possible. And that's through chess. You have to be two to three moves ahead of your opponent at all times to win. And so that was the premise behind the advice I was, I was offering. Like, you know, branding, building your career, kind of always being ahead of the game. And then I switched. I actually hired another classmate of mine to redesign my site. And that's when I stopped using blue as my colors and switched over to pink. And she she came up with the word her movement, which is my current site. This is hermovement.com. And she was just like, you know, I came up with this just because I thought, I feel like you're going to be a force to be reckoned with one day. You're going to be doing all these cool things. And at that point, I didn't see it, but I thought her movement was cute. So I had a cute name. I had a cute site. And I was like, okay, well, how do I show off that her movement is more than just, than just about her or me? Like I wanted to be about all of the hers, right? Like everybody. And I thought about how in the 90s and a lot of TV and film with with women and how they were portrayed, it was like, if you were really attractive and sexy and all of this, then you didn't really have much to offer brain power wise. Like you weren't really maybe the smartest one or you were only focused on like getting a husband or being really social. And on the contrary, if you were really ambitious and focused on your career, then you were the stuffy friend in a group and you didn't have a man and you were mean and like, <laughs> I think, think deliver us from Eva or something like that. Right. It's like awful. So I was like, I want to fix that. I want to like shift that. And like, I want, I know the women that are going to come to my site are both like multifaceted. You know, they may, they care about their appearance in whatever way makes sense for them. They're social. They ha they may have a love life if they choose to have one. They like to shop and they also like to read or they like to, you know, work on their side hustle, whatever. Like you can be multifaceted. So I came up with the term busy bombshell and bombshell was inspired by Victoria's Secret, which I shop at a lot. And, you know, they have their models and they call bombshells and all of this stuff. And I'm like you can be this super attractive woman and you can be super focused too. So therefore busy bombshells were born. So my title chief bombshell officer was spurned from that. And to be honest, like I think I'm more than like a CEO or a founder. Like I do literally everything anyway. So to bundle it all up into one title, chief bombshell officer, um, but outside of that, you know, I typically will go by brand strategist every now and then because that's what I'm most known for. Like I do other things, but I'm most known for my work in the branding world. I love that story about how the bombshell name came about because <laughs> that's so true. Um, everything that you said about the bombshell, it's either on, on movies or TV shows, it's either like you're really attractive or you're really smart. Yep. There's, I think we're getting better about it now, but in the past, it, there was no, you couldn't be both. You either had, it was like Delma and Daphne from um, Scooby-Doo. Yeah. So either like you were the nerdy know-it-all or you were just like the super attractive ditzy. So yeah, exactly. I love that. That's so smart. And I love that. It's really clever. So you said you're most known for brand strategy. And that's what I see people on like Twitter and Instagram talk about. Talk to us about that. What specifically attracted you to brand strategy? I think it just fell into my lap and, and it fell into my lap before I knew what it was. Right. So I've always been really intrigued and part of partially because of my own life. I've been really intrigued with like telling your own story and shaping how people view you and your experiences to get to the next level. Right. And that's essentially what a brand is. about. It's the reputation. It's about the perception. It's about the story. And I knew when I was in college, I kind of had this shift when I was I knew I was going to business school. I thought I was going to be in investment banking. I thought I was going to go the banking path. And then I realized I liked the industry, but I didn't like the 
to work. So I had to pivot, but I had worked in every summer I interned in college and pre-college. So it's like I had three to four years of like financial services experience, but I wanted to break into HR still within that realm. And so I was trying to figure out how to best position. So I, I intentionally, I think this my, my junior year, took an internship in HR, but it, I did it with an accounting firm with one of the big four accounting firms. And if anyone's listening that's familiar with this, you know that when you are an undergrad and starting with the big four firm, they put you in what's called internal firm services. So you're, t- you're traditionally in HR marketing or t- IT or whatever. And then the next summer when you're CPA eligible, which is uh, accounting certification, they'll put you in audit or tax and that's supposed to be your path. So I took a big gamble <laughs> by saying, I'm going to land in HR if I do this internal firm service his internship and I'm going to do it with no intention of accepting their offer to return just to get HR on my resume. (laughs) And that was able to better position me to end up in a full-time HR role still in financial services, but at another company. So I've always been interested in the brand strategy and the brand services. And I really think that when I had my very first client that was an entrepreneur, thinking about how I was really pushing her for a story. Because if you ever, if you've used LinkedIn, you know, there's a summary section where your bio traditionally goes. Um, and I put a nice spin on it so it's not super formal. It's more like, it's a story. Like you're, you're using that section as to story tell in 2000 words or less, 2000 characters or less, excuse me. And then that's supposed to intrigue someone to want to look at the rest of your profile and send you a message and try to connect, whatever. So I was really pushing her for the story behind her business. Like, what do you stand for? What do you, what's the experience like of working with you? What kind of experiences do you create, right? So it was really digging to, to find that. And I just loved that part. I loved the molding of the story. And I also loved finding vehicles to tell it in a way that other people get it too. Hmm, I love that. So you keep on saying things about LinkedIn and I'm going to admit LinkedIn is not my best social profile. (laughs) It's one of those ones I feel like I created by default and then it's just there and I get requests all the time. So tell me if you had to tell somebody like fix your profile in three really quick tips, what would be? (laughs) Number one, maximize the headline space. So your headline tends to auto populate be whatever your current job title is. And I always say that you're more than your current job title. So you can customize that. And that headline is SEO heavy. So that impacts like Google results and things like that. And entrepreneurs, you can get a ton of business through LinkedIn, trust and believe. Um, So like my headline is a statement and it says, I specialize in helping entrepreneurs pack your expertise and monetize your online presence. So basically that's supposed to be an enticing enough statement to not make you click on my profile because you're only going to see that if you search for me in some way. And so you'll only get to see my headline and my name and where I live. So get the headline together so people actually want to go see your profile. Um, Number two, make sure you have a professional photo as your headshot and also update your header picture on LinkedIn. The photo matters. Um, There's actual data that suggests that, you know, your profile is 11 times more likely to be viewed with if you have a photo than someone without. So that's really important. Um, And three, um, don't skip out on the work experience part. If you're a full time entrepreneur and you had a career before your business like that still matters to people. And that'll actually help you with networking. People will still take a look at what you've done before. And I think sometimes we forget that, you know, projects and contract roles with a lot of corporations do exist. A a healthcare company um, a couple months ago reached out and asked if I could send them, you know, a kit, a proposal because they wanted to hire me to plan a conference for them. Right. That's not really my lane. So I turned to turn that one down. But like those opportunities exist where you're not necessarily on staff, but you can still kind of control your life and work with them, too. So those things matter. And vice versa, right? For the side hustlers who their focus isn't necessarily full-time entrepreneurship, but you do want to grow in your career, like leveraging LinkedIn. Um, So updating your profile, they have a portfolio function. So uploading websites and photos and video and showing off what you've done and really treating LinkedIn like a live portfolio is some of my best advice. And to wrap up on the LinkedIn piece, LinkedIn has an awesome free tool called a LinkedIn Pro Finder, where if you're a freelancer, you can post your services and people can pitch projects and you can submit a proposal to take on their project for them. So um, that's a really good opportunity to um, get extra money and build your skill set if you're in the freelance space by using LinkedIn profile Profinder and they sync your profile to it and it's 100% free. 
Those were excellent tips. So I will be <laughs> making some updates to my LinkedIn profile. It's the one thing that my husband's always like, you need to update your LinkedIn. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna get to it. And I just never do. So thank you for that. No I'll definitely, you guys, I will detail that in the show notes. So definitely make sure you take that, you check that out. So I want to switch gears a tiny bit because, well, before we, before I switch gears, let me ask you this. So because you're wonderful with brand strategy and helping people tell their stories, what is some, a few ways that someone can make their brand look more polished and put together if they're just starting out? Cause I know that's a huge struggle for people who are new. They feel like I don't have the budget for this or I can't do that, but they still want to get out there and look like somebody not just a complete newbie. So what would you tell somebody who was in that position? Well, if you're completely new and have no idea what's going on from a design perspective, I would aim for simple, simple, classic, chic, lots of white space <laughs> is the best way to go. Um, if once we start attempting to add in all the bells and whistles and all of this extra stuff, that's when we kind of go up, we make mistakes if we're not good with design. And I just think there's nothing wrong with classic, chic, polished, and simple aim for simple. Uh, when I first started off, I'd made like two or three different like templates that I would use for Instagram posts. And I used to make my own quotes and I just reused the same template over and over again. And I just rechanged the stock photo. But if you think about really popular Instagram profiles, I'm just going to pick on Instagram because I think that's one where this really matters. Like think about the boss babe. Instagram account. Um, they're a really popular account. They monetize their account. And all they post is two different types of templates. One is all pink with black letters. And the other is like some kind of background photo of a girl with a certain Instagram filter and a quote on top. And it's the same type of style all the time. So it's not always about innovation and all the bells and whistles. And I got to have 150 videos on my Instagram. Like It's not always about that. It's just about it looking nice and looking polished. So aim for classic and give yourself time to grow and learn if you're trying to do your own design work and appearance work same with websites right just make a squarespace account and get one of those web pages where it's just a continuing like the the ever scroll page where it's just one long page one of those simple templates aim for a lot of white space and just have it chic and polished until you learn and grow and that was a mistake i made earlier on I was hiring people to like make these sites for me but they didn't fully know what they were doing either and they weren't able to really build what I wanted them to build. So it kind of just looked half-assed for a really long time. And I just got over it. It's like, I'm going to do it myself from scratch, but I'm keeping it simple. You know, like my website now, like I don't have tons of bells and whistles right now and, and it works. So aim for what makes sense for where you are in terms of appearance and just ensure that you're consistent no matter what. So the color scheme that you're using on Instagram should match what you're using on Twitter, should match what you're using on your website. That consistency piece is also very important because it should be a very similar experience and similar dynamic. I second that 100%. I am always such a huge stickler about the way that like people's <laughs> brands look visually. I can't stand a, a poor, poorly represented brand. It's just, I feel like it's such a missed opportunity and it's really, really frustrating as somebody who's like gone through all the levels of branding and design and, and it's uh, just like she said, white space, <laughs> keep it simple. Maybe start out with like a basic, just nice font text lo logo and keep it moving until yeah, you can yeah. hire to, to make something nicer. Yeah, basic is way better than team too much, <laughs> especially if it's team too much in the wrong direction. Like, so you just want to like respect where you are. And I, and I think it's really important when you think about your your visual identity that you keep it authentic to your core principles and your core brand as opposed to trying to be like what you see online like just because everybody else is using glitter letters doesn't mean you need to use glitter letters or just because everybody else's stuff is pink doesn't mean yours have to be pink and it's like one of those things where I think that's a, there's another missed opportunity in a sense of you can gain much more um, credibility and much more traction if you were authentic to you as opposed to trying to be a carbon copy of the hundred other profiles that exist doing the same stuff. Um, and that's why I, and my, I have a group coaching program around branding and that's why they don't even get to the visual branding stuff until week four because I'm taking them through building a foundation. We're going through your pitch and your value proposition and who your customer is and what why they should work with you so that by the time you get to the visual stuff, this should all fall together because you have so much clarity on who you are and what you do and what value you bring that it's going to all bleed through when it comes to doing the design stuff. 
Mm. Preach. <laughs> so I want to, <laughs> I finally am going to switch gears to for real this time. So I want to talk about your brands because that is the thing that I feel like is so impressive about you that you started with one. And now at this point, I don't even know how many you have <laughs> or like how many you are separating yourself into. But you guys, she's doing like brand strategy and she does events and she has a cosmetic line and she's an author and she's a podcaster and like all of these things. And she's one person. <laughs> so talk to us about how you're juggling all of this. Um, it's definitely taken years to figure out, but the easy short answer is batch scheduling. <laughs> so I have developed a system where I dedicate certain days and certain time frames to certain activities. So I'm just kind of knocking things out. Um, and I've stopped multitasking. By multitask, I'm going to make a huge mistake. So I just focus on the task at hand, no matter how many texts and emails I get. Like it's just like if I'm writing an email letter, email newsletter right now, like that's what I'm doing until it's done. Um, I frequently have my phone in airplane mode about eight to 10 hours a day. Day. Um, only person knows how to find me is my mama. <laughs> and that's just, you know, for emergencies. But it's one of those things where I've become so disciplined in knocking stuff out. And like, I'm in this mode where I've identified what's really important to me. And right now, my business is my priority. Some people right now, it's it's family, right? It's motherhood, it's it's marriage, it's finances, it's whatever. But for me, it's my business. And I've had, and once I accepted that, it became easier to get people around me to accept it because it's like at this point, I don't really care if you don't. I don't care if you don't want to support me because I'm I'm kind of I'm putting myself in a silo right now anyway and then I come out when I choose to right and so I've just become disciplined and I tell some of my clients you know it's it's honestly how bad do you want this and I ask them that before they sign on with me because obviously their success is my success right but I'll say you know how bad do you want this and what are you willing to lose to get it because for a lot of us we don't have the fairy tale story of oh I put up an Instagram page and overnight I blew up like we got the I put up an Instagram page 3 years ago and then I blew up right so you have to you have to honestly be disciplined and I know you and I were talking about the gym before this podcast started but it's like just like you have to get really focused and disciplined to go to the gym every day and eat clean every day you got to get focused about building your business and that means carving out time when you don't feel like it getting up early if you don't feel like it staying up late when you don't feel like it and doing what you got to do. And then secondly, actually creating a schedule for yourself and tackling it's just like you would do it your nine to five. So I have certain days that are dedicated to design work, days dedicated to blogging and emails, days dedicated to sales. There's only certain days where I actually take my client calls so I can be in the right zone for them. And I'm, I stick to it like crazy. Like it, it's crazy how like obsessed with my schedule I am. But if I don't, everything's going to fall apart. And like, you know, that's why when I'm sick, I'm like down about it. But at the same time, I've built so many systems in place and I try to plan out and create it so, so far in advance that my business can still run even if I'm down and out. And that's also what I'm working towards too. I don't want to be a slave to my computer every day. I want to be able to say, I was out sick today, but I didn't lose any money. <laughs> mm -hmm. And trust me, I have been in that space. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it is it is such a stressful thing to realize like you're sick, like for real, for real sick. And your business runs only when you run. And so that's I think that's something that a lot of people don't future proof themselves against. And I know when I ran into that, I was not completely future proof from it, but I had a few systems in place where like I could tell my, like my husband already knew how to pack orders for me. So I was like, All right, I need you to do, I'm going to send you these, these uh, packing slips and you pack these orders and I'll send you the, the um, postage and just drop it to the mail. But had he not known how to do that, like that would have been stuff that would have just been sitting <laughs> waiting for me to be better to send out. And that's a really crazy place to, to be in with your business. So everything that you just said, I agree. If you don't have, um, you know, a forward vision about what's coming up for your brand and how you can guard yourself against unexpected downtime. You need to put that on your to-do list, like yeah. towards the top. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you're, you know, at some point, like you have to stop being last minute, <laughs> you know, like there's always going to be things that are unexpected, right? Like you get an unexpected press feature and now you slam with orders. You can't plan for that, but you're going to be okay with that blessing, right? But there are some of us, and let's just be honest, our entire business is last minute. 
your last minute with putting the post with getting the blog out, your last minute with shipping orders, your last minute with doing your emails. And it's like, that's the kind of stuff that creates stress and overwhelm. And that makes you stop loving what you're doing because now it's a chore, but it's a chore because you didn't plan correctly in the first place. And it's about priorities. At some point you have to sacrifice something and it's like, what is it right now? Right. Um, and so sometimes it's just as simple as sacrifice of sleep. Other times it's a sacrifice of not hanging out or not watching your favorite show. I'm seven years late to Pretty Little Liars, but hey, like it's okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I've been binge watching that lately because I've just, I canceled cable years ago and I'm just now like, okay, I can have, I can watch Hulu now like the rest of the world, right? But it's like, this is just a, a, an example. This is kind of, a, it's an extreme example. I'm not saying don't watch TV for seven years. I'm just suggesting that at some point there's going to have to be something that stops. So you've mentioned a few things about um, how you manage all of these brands that you have. But if you had to give like one top best time management tip, like the one that you swear by, what is it? <sighs> oh, that's tough. Um, one tip that I swear by. Um, the one tip that I swear by is everything has to get added to my calendar. Like add add stuff to your calendar and start using one. And it doesn't have to be an app. Everybody's favorite question is like, what app are you using, girl? It's the calendar that come on the phone. That's the app that I use. I don't use nothing else. And you know I love paper planners. That's why I'm obsessed with you, right? Like a paper planner and an app. And so basically what I do weekly and also monthly too, because I I plan my launches out. Like if I'm going to do a full on like launch sequence, like it needs to be planned out two months out. So I'll first sit down with my paper, my paper planner, kind of write out priorities for the month, priorities for the week and kind of outline those things so that I can start to allocate energy. Cause I, I, w- I am good for moving something around if I notice that my energy will be stretched too thin. So if I have two speaking engagements this week and I'm supposed to start my program launch on Thursday, like I'm moving that launch back because I need to be able to commit the fullest amount of energy to that thing. So I'll do that first. And then from there, I start to add things to my calendar. Like even if it's a reminder, like, oh, cancel Netflix or whatever it is, right? Like I'll add all of that stuff to my calendar, appointments to my calendar. If it's not on my calendar, it doesn't. Like even my friends put hanging out on my calendar because they know. So it's just a matter of, for me, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stress my brain out by forcing my brain to remember every single thing that needs to get done. So I rely on the tools that I have and what's always in my hand, my phone or next to me, my phone. Right. And because I use all Apple products, the iPad, the MacBook, the whatever, iMac, whatever, all of them sync. So I only have to add this stuff in one place and it's going to show up everywhere that I am, which is also a really nice perk of using consistent products. So it's all over the place, but this year, I'm doing this new thing where I bought one of those desk calendars, um, one of the medium sized ones, and I ripped all of the months out and I put them on my wall in my office. And I'm color coding each month as I'm starting to book speaking engagements, book conferences, all of this stuff. Because this year, I really want to incorporate more balance into my life. Like I've been playing as it relates to that. So I'm look, I really want to be able to look at the year and see. Where am I spending a ton of time and where do I have time to improve in terms of not only my efficiencies, but also my own personal life and my personal health? That's super smart. So if you want to come out with a desk calendar, Monique, that'd be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been, I don't want to say too much, but I've been like toying with an idea. It wasn't quite a desk calendar, but it's a... it's a desk. I don't know. I don't want to say too much, but I have an idea there <laughs> well, that I've been give, trying to figure out how I can. prototype for feedback if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've been trying to figure out. But, you know, everything that you said is is spot on. Um, I people I find I think that people kind of find this shocking, but I feel I tell people all the time, like I'm a paper planner that lives in a digital world. Mm-hmm. So I exist with both a paper and a digital calendar just because one, I need to, like you said, be able to lay out your day, your schedule, but I also don't trust my brain. So <laughs> because of that, I, I use a digital calendar because I like the alerts. So everything goes into, I use Google Calendar and then sync it to my um, iCal. And I love that because then like when I'm on my computer, like alerts pop up. It's like 30 minutes until your interview with Kashira. And I'm like, oh yeah. I need to prepare for that. Or it's like 30 minutes till you need to go to the gym or 30 minutes till you need to do this. And I just love that so much because it just gives you so much mental clarity when you don't have to remember like you have an interview at 515 
And then you're like waiting all day for 515 because it's like you don't want to forget that's happening. Yeah. And I'm really good for forgetting. I'm really good for forgetting. Like if I see a free evening, like to me, that means wine and Hulu or Netflix, you know. And so (laughs) I need to like anything, even if it's a casual, like quick chat. We're going to the movies. Like I literally put it in my phone because I just can't. There's been moments I've opened my phone to do something and forgot what I was about to do. Like, that's bad. <laughs> so, like, if I can't think, remember that, like, I'm not about to hold myself accountable to remembering anything. Like, I just, I, I really rely on that. And, like, I love journals and notepads and notebooks and posters. I have, actually have an idea wall. So, I bought this, like, um, easel pad, those big tabletop easel pads. And, like, they're the big white sheets of paper. And they're essentially giant sticky notes. But I just kind of put one on my wall and I wrote ideas. And so now if I get an idea, especially now, I'll put it on a post-it note and just stick it to the wall. Because nine times out of ten, the ideas I get can be executed literally tomorrow. But I don't want to forget them. And so I just, like, have this wall of, like, let me go back to this and revisit if I'm ever in a stump of, like, what to do next. And that's another way for me to remind myself, like, oh, yeah, three months ago you said this and you forgot. But here, it's on the wall. <laughs> Super smart. I love it. And these are all really great tips, you guys. So if you have not taken notes, please take notes, especially the the calendar tip, because I used to do the same thing. But in my new space, I don't have as much wall space, so I don't have a, a big calendar. But my favorite giant wall calendar comes from Paper Source, and it's called the Giant Wall Calendar. You can go to papersource.com and find it. And I love like being able to hang up um, three months at a time because it fits the each month, um, each date square was like the perfect size of like a regular size post-it note. So it was great for like, you know, like you said, color coding vacation or speaking engagements or webinars, whatever it was. And I, I love that system, but I don't have the wall space for it. So I had to move to something else. So... One of your brands or one of the things that you do is an annual summit called Hustle Her Way. And I know like this is your baby. You've done it for a couple of years. It's sold out. I've seen some of my friends speak about it or or speak at it or even attend. So tell us about that. Tell us about how that idea came about and like what's going on with this year's Hustle Her Way, because I know it's it's coming up this uh, what is it like around the summertime? Yep. So this year will be the third Hustle Her Way Summit, June 8th through 10th in Pittsburgh, which is where I live now. And it was birth um, out of nowhere, which most of the stuff is, right? <laughs> um, I just kind of had this idea. I had wanted to do an event. I was at this point when I was getting frustrated with, with going to some conferences and some events because I just felt like it was pointless. Like I wasn't really learning anything. People weren't really trying to authentically network. I also noticed that at least in my city, with conferences, it's always like either for career women or for entrepreneurs, but it was really to bring both together. And it's like, but what if you are both, right? Like, what if you're, I don't, you know, I know we have, people love to debate about like side hustles and all of that, but I'm like, you side hustle, you still have a business, you're still building something. Like, I don't, you know, whatever. So like, we never get to like bring people together. And it's crazy how no matter what setting I'm in, people will bring up hustles. Like I remember I was speaking to a group of master's students who were going to be teachers in at-risk communities. And they wanted me to speak to the students on on um, branding, but I had to teach branding to youth because I've taught branding to young people before. And at the end, like, you know, I definitely wanted to leave time for questions, whatever. And, like, all the questions were on, like, how to launch a business. Like, everybody wanted to know about that. The teachers, right? And they, and they were like, yeah, I have an idea about a nonprofit or an idea about an educational app. And, like, everybody has a hustle or wants to have a hustle, right? So it was like, okay. We need to bring people together. So I came up with the idea of doing some kind of like mini event. And I was really worried that nobody would come, which is was always my concern. But I was like, you know, I'm going to do it. Came up with the name Hustle Her Way. And originally it was supposed to be like a larger workshop. Like I first rented a space with a whole 50 people. And when I started to put it out, I put out the call for speakers. I put out the flyer. I hired a really good friend to do the design work. And it was really well branded, despite the fact that I had started planning it like four months out. And it received so much attention. People wanted to sponsor. I I had an incubator reach out and say they wanted to be the host in terms of the venue. So that opened up more seating. And the first year was just like crazy. And be, and it just was like a lot of stuff was donated and kind of given to me. And I was able to cover the cost of the expenses with the sponsorships and ticket sales. So 
It was crazy. And people had a good experience. I mean, and it also attracted a diverse group. We had younger women, older women, white women, black women, like everybody. Everybody had such good feedback. You know, some of the older women would say, you know, I paid, you know, way more money for longer conferences. And this one day just kind of changed my life or changed my perspective and things like that. And it was holistically focused. So, yeah, we had a panel on entrepreneurship, but we also had this workshop on the benefits of global travel for women and how to do so not only solo, but on a budget, you know, we had that kind of <laughs> workshop, right? This was not your traditional stuff. So it kind of, it went, it came and went. I had no intentions of doing it again, but I kept getting emails and messages like, what about year two? When is year two? Like we have to come back. So I decided to do a year two and same thing, like bigger, better, always amazing. So this year it's back. I actually started planning it way earlier. And this year is a three-day event. So it kicks off on a Friday night with a networking event, which it always has with the intention of letting people meet each other in a more casual environment. Cocktails are involved. A lot of women actually travel for my conference and they travel by themselves. So it's a really good place to make a new friend, kind of go out on a town, whatever. So this year we're actually having the networking event. I call it Slay in Your Lane. Um, we're having it at a whiskey distillery that's owned by a woman here in Pittsburgh. And she has like four or five locations and she jumped the chance, like wrote back to me in two minutes. Like we're hosting you. Not only are we hosting you, but we're going to donate 20 percent of drink sales to a woman's focused nonprofit of your choice. Right. So it's like, oh, dang. All right. We out here. Right. Um <laughs> And there's another co-working space called Spaces. They're actually an international co-working space. They wanted to host a Saturday summit, um, which will be a, a day long now. So it's going to be like an eight hour thing. So I think before it was like four or five hours. So it'll be like an eight hour situation. And then on Sunday, our new addition will be a brunch. And this will not be a t- traditional like empowerment bunch of speakers brunch. This is going to be an action brunch where you're going to get like a binder with um, strategic worksheets where you can now create a plan to implement everything that you learned on Saturday. And that came from the idea of a lot of people go to conferences and they get really inspired and they leave with all these notes and they don't know what to do next and so nothing actually gets done and so the goal here is to prevent that by giving you a space and a forum and some guidance on how to create a plan for whatever it is you want to do next so i love that you shared about the woman being so excited about sponsoring your event from the whiskey distillery yeah and also badass is that that she owns a whiskey distillery (laughs) as a woman yeah (laughs) that's so awesome But I love that when you start to put yourself out there, like you start attracting the right people and people are excited. They want to get on board. They want to support what you're doing. So I always tell people who are like afraid to do stuff, like put it out there because you don't know what's going to happen. And people are so enthusiastic about stuff if you present it properly and you represent yourself well and you have a good reputation and you're trying to do something positive. So I love what you're doing with Hustle Her Way. And I'm excited to see like how it does this year. Thank you. So I want to ask you about the dark side of entrepreneurship or running a business, because I feel like there's so much glamorization of having your own business, having these six figure businesses, having these big side hustles. But there's also like some dark sides when it comes to running a business, the difficulties and things of that nature that I don't feel like people discuss enough. So what do you feel like are some dark parts of running a business that you wish people shared more? (sighs) Okay, so (laughs) actually there's a really good article on entrepreneur.com about entrepreneurship and depression that I think everybody should read. Um, I don't don't necessarily think that everybody gets depressed per se, but I know that there's a lot of low moments and sometimes you just don't know how to deal with them. And especially if you're in a situation where the people around you don't fully understand what you're doing and they're like kind of unsympathetic, like it can be even harder to go through. And so one of the first things I always recommend doing is kind of figuring out your your coping mechanisms. Like how do you heal and how do you cope and how do you move on? And like literally write that down somewhere. So when you're at that point and it will happen where something didn't sell as much as you thought it would, if at all, or, you know, you didn't get the engagement you pitched for, whatever it is, you kind of have a process for bringing yourself back out of that dark side. In the event that you don't have support and either it's just like those moments where we all love to be tough and say we're fearless. But at the end of the day, like, you know, there's going to be something that hurts you. Right. There's going to be something that that's not a success the first time around or something that doesn't go right. And just kind of being able to take that in stride and move forward and not let it paralyze you from doing anything. And like, you know, like I said, it can get it can get kind of low and it can get lonely and you and it can be moments where 
you're like doubting everything. Like, you know, I'm not where I thought I would be. Like, should I just quit? Should I just give up? And so learning your process. So that's why I'm a real stickler for reading. Um, I just picked up Damon John's book, Rise and Grind. I really loved his book, The Power of Broke. So I feel like I really like this. I listen to podcasts all the time, like Tim Ferriss and my league and people like that. You know, Side Hustle Pro, just to hear the stories of other people, because sometimes you just need to hear somebody else say, I was there too when I came out. You know, I meditate, I do yoga, you know, I like candles. I kind of have my rituals where like I kind of give myself the space to be human for the time that I need be and kind of come back out. Um, so I think one of the big things people don't think about is, you know, you're you're really afraid of, of, of getting started. But, you know, once you do, there's just it's like a roller coaster ride. And so kind of being as prepared for the, the high points with your arms raised as you are for the points where your stomach drops. <laughs> and that's uh, the, the roller coaster metaphor is the most perfect word, metaphor about being a business owner or having a side hustle because it's like you can have the highest high in a day and then like also the lowest low a few hours later and feel like like this is not working I'm quitting I'm never going to do anything else and then like one little thing will happen it's like you're back on that upswing so it it is a literal emotional roller coaster it's kind of crazy how that works so on a lighter note what do you feel have been your keys to success Ooh, good question. So my own keys to success, I would say one, um, execution has been huge for me. Um, I think so many of us suffer from too much research, too much analysis, too many webinars, too many, too much of everything <laughs> before we actually do something. And I, I'm here to tell you that there is no amount of preparation in the world that's going to prepare you for what you're about to do. Um, whether you're successful or not, like it's just not. Um, and you learn and in turn by doing. And I'm a huge advocate for professional development and I recommend it. I recommend doing that stuff. But at some point you have to learn when to cut it off and say, okay, I've learned enough. Let me go apply what I learned. See if this made sense to me and then come back and revisit. And it's kind of like getting a master's degree. That's why they always say, you know, get a couple years of work experience and then go get your master's because a lot of the stuff, the textbook stuff makes more sense. So you've actually done it in the real world and it's not just theoretical anymore. Um, so execution has been major for me. Like just kind of the fear I felt when I hosted my first summit, when I did my first webinar, when I did my first live stream, when I opened my first coaching program, three years after I started doing one-on-one work, right? Like all of these things kind of took time and were measured and were important milestones for me because I was scared to death to do them all. And me sitting here reading 10,000 books on how to do a live stream wasn't going to make that fear go away or wasn't going to actually make me get better at doing them. It was really about the execution piece. So execution has been a major thing for me in terms of a key to success. And then number two, to back that up is I've, I'm comfortable investing in myself. I'm, I'm, I have no problem buying a book. Um, if I need to buy a class, if I need to buy a software, like I have no problem investing in my growth and development with the commitment of taking it seriously. Um, so that's been awesome for me. And then three, I've been, I've been authentic to myself this entire time. And I think that that's a key to success because it's, you get real tangled up real fast when you're in the world of competition and comparison and trying to do everything else because somebody else is doing everything else and they're winning at it. And I think one thing that's always helped me to shine true is my authenticity. Like I don't can't claim to have the most followers. I don't claim to be the best or to have the best website, but I'm me. And I'm always me. I'm 100% me. And if you've been with me since 2013, then you know that's true, right? Only thing that's really changed is my logo and my hair. So um, that has really helped me, honestly, keep continue to stand out from the rest and also be able to compete. Right. Like I said, I don't have 50,000 followers, but I can still come. I'm still on the same speaking panels as those that do have 50,000 followers. Mm. Again, great. <laughs> So many words and the execution piece, again, that's that's critical, 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 critical. So if you had to say like your biggest lesson on your entrepreneurial, your entrepreneurial journey so far, what do you think that is? Mm, my biggest lesson learned um, would be to trust the process Um and and I say that because a lot of times when I've kind of had like a failure or a rejection and it's really gotten me down, literally like the next day or right around the corner, something amazing happens. 
Um, and it's just kind of also forced me to just get more clear with, about my faith too. And just kind of knowing that none of this is accidental. Like these things are happening for a reason. And if you're getting turned down for something like for me, like that, I've had to tell myself like, that means literally something better is around the corner. And that's really cliche, but like, I don't have an example of like, you know, I think I remember I was really trying to get more press for like, um, my cosmetics brand and like I was turned down from one publication but then the next week I ended up in a major publication I didn't even pro- I didn't even pitch them right so it's just a matter of you know just because you're getting one no here or a no thanks or not enough engagement here doesn't necessarily mean you won't forever and you have to have that balance of like knowing when to kind of fine tune something and knowing when to just keep pushing um and that's been like my biggest lesson learned is just like trusting the process and obviously god has his own timeline carved out for me for when certain things are supposed to happen and when i'm supposed to hit certain milestones and i've had to just be okay with that and learn to know that this is my path it's been carved for me and nobody else's is mine and honestly a lot of what we see online is fake anyway so we don't even know the truth behind that so it's just like kind of staying in my life Lane. Like I'll say, stay in your lane. Like mind your business. Like minding your business and drinking water is a key to good skin. I promise you. And it's like that's just what I I've learned to do. It's just like I I cancel the noise, and that's why I don't actually follow a lot of people online because I'm so intentional about curating the content I take in and who I'm engaging with and the energy that I have around me, both digitally and in person, so that I can stay focused. Because you're at a really vulnerable state mentally when you're building something and you're not. It's almost like birthing something right and when you're in certain seasons of your business like when like for example i'm sure for you when you're doing the launch of your planners like you're in grind mode like you just you don't have time for the mess and all of this and that and so you have to get very granular on what you allow around you because literally any and everybody can mess up your focus and so that's been one of my biggest lessons learned is kind of trusting the process and kind of staying in my lane girl when it's planner season i don't want anybody to talk to me about anything just bring me cookies and turn on the TV. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> it, it's so stressful. And this year was worse because I, I did my first time um, importing from overseas. Mm-hmm. And the freaking wait time for that, oh my God. Oof. Even when you set proper customer expectations, <laughs> my inbox. <laughs> so yeah, I, I get that 100%. So I'm down to like the final two questions. And I love to close the show by asking um, the Pimp Your Brilliance action challenge question, which is you sharing your top three tips for someone who's looking to build a bombshell brand this year. Ooh, top three tips building a bombshell brand. Um, One, develop a content calendar that's filled with actionable and valuable content. Um, I know the latest hot topic, which this will be old by the time this airs, but has been the changes in algorithms on, on Facebook and on Instagram and the Huffington Post blogger shut down and all of that stuff. And it's just a matter of if you create valuable content, people are going to seek you out anyway. Create content that people actually crave or they're going to go seeking you out. So if you continue to create valuable content, people will come to you. And that may mean that you're not really producing content every day. That's okay. But when you do put it out, people know that it's going to be brilliant. So one is creating valuable content. Number two, Make sure you secure your online real estate, you know, lock down your domains, lock down your social media names, even if it's on the platform you don't even plan to use. Like if you don't plan to use Twitter, that's cool, but at least own your name because um, everybody's launching businesses out here and it's just happening more and more. So you want to own your stuff, like get your LLCs, get your copyrights, do what you got to do to own your digital real estate. Um, and then the third thing I would say to build your bombshell brand this year is put yourself out there. Um, get comfortable and I learned this how I get comfortable tooting your own horn get comfortable telling people what you do and why you do it and how good you are and it's up to you to figure out how you put yourself out there that could be social media that could be videos that could be speaking hosting events whatever but put yourself out there the internet moves a million miles a minute. Um, there's always something new popping up. There's always a distraction. People will forget. And so just because you posted once last week doesn't mean that you're going to be top of mind for me next week when I need to hire somebody, right? So it's just thinking about remaining top of mind. And I remember when I first launched... Um, a good friend of mine, he would get on my case. Like, you just don't tell people about what you're doing enough and like all the things you're going on. And I'm like, they just should know. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to brag. I don't want to be obnoxious. It's like, you're not. You're just some people that you're popping. Like, there's a difference. And I did not see it. And now 
I see it. So, um, <laughs> but it's a matter of reminding people that like, hey, you you do this, you have this. And it wasn't until, you know, I think after one of my first events when it sold out, and everybody was in my DMs like, oh, I didn't even know. I'm like, how the hell you ain't know? Like I've been posting this every other day. But it's just a matter of, that showed me people's attention spans aren't really there and it's up to me to continue to be in their face um not directly but just kind of being like i'm not going anywhere and this is what i do and this is how i do it and here's different examples and different ways of me to show you what i do people need to come into contact come into contact with good content sometimes up to seven to ten times before they make a decision and it's like every time you come into contact with my content it's gonna be popping which goes back to point number one creating valuable content <laughs> And my last question is books. So you mentioned one earlier, Damon John's book, but what are you currently reading or what have you read recently that has blown your mind? Ooh, good one. So I've been reading uh, Tribe of Mentors by Tim Ferriss. When you when you pick up this book, it's going to look like the Bible, but it's actually a, a very easy read. It's a series of interviews um, and he asks people different questions about just like, you know, how they navigated failure and all that stuff. And it's really, really nice. He has a really good table of contents to help guide you through that book. Um, so Tribe of Mentors has been an amazing one for me. Um, what else have I been reading? Hmm. Like I said, I just picked up Rise and Grind. Um, I've been reading um, To Sell as Human. Um, again, I've been rereading that one, just trying to um, hone my sales expertise. And there's a book on branding, and I'm going to pull up my Amazon um, that I've been reading. And basically, to give you a synopsis before I find the title, it's a book on just like memorable brands and how to have a brand that kind of lights a fire under people. And it's a really, really interesting read. So this book is called uh, Friction. It's called Friction, and the subtitle is Passion Brands in the Age of Disruption. Um, the author is Jeff Rosenblum, and it's really, really good. It's it's almost like a coffee table book. So there's a lot of visuals and pictures, but it's really interesting to read. Oh, one more book, uh, Profit First. I read that over the Christmas holiday. Um, Profit First is an amazing book, and it really teaches you how to make sure you're making money in your business. Um, it's not a math book. It's not an accounting book, but it's a really good way to change how you look at the money you're bringing into your business and ensuring that you're actually profitable. Oh, and I've heard good things about that from other people. So as always, the show notes will have the books and the authors so you guys can check that out there. Well, that is it. But thank you so much, Kashara. This is great. And you offered so many good tips and so much information on how you're doing things and how you're running all these brands. Because, child, <laughs> I just, I couldn't do it. I'm just like, I need a nap. <laughs> but I love it. So thank you for coming on the show. No, thank you for having me. Anything for you. You know I stand for you. I've, I've been very I've been very open about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. And that's it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. If you love the show, make sure you grab the Be Brilliant Guide where I share the keys to success for my most popular guests. Download it at keepchasingthestars.com backslash brilliant. Now go out there and pimp your brilliance.